This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, our podcast, Spirit Matters Talk, found at spiritmatterstalk.com, uh, discussing contemporary uh, issues of contemporary spirituality. Uh, our guest today, uh, uh, first scholar, Debashish ben Banerjee. He, he is a professor of Indian philosophies and cultures and the Doshi professor of Asian art at the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco. And he is joined with uh, filmmaker uh, Vikram Zucci, uh, journalist and independent scholar dividing his time between the United States, Mexico, and Southeast Asia. Although I'm wondering now with the pandemic, uh, <laughs> it is August uh, 2020, if there is as much travel involved. Uh, but anyway, uh, gentlemen, thank you so very much. You are both very distinguished in your fields, and we are honored to have you on our show today. And uh, we should mention that each of you has been on the show before, separately, speaking about different things. And to get to today, we're uh, having you on to discuss a joint project of yours, the film Darshan, The Living Art of India, which uh, Vikram uh, directed and Debashish produced and uh, is an on-screen presence. So let us talk about that film. Um, we're not used to having two people on, so try to be polite with each other and and <laughs> and turn over the floor when it can. Uh, Vikram, I would assume this was uh, your idea or maybe a joint idea. How did it come about? Um, yeah, you're right. It was a joint idea and it came about, it was inspired by an exhibition at the Santa Barbara Museum of Art a few years ago, uh, curated by Pratapaditya Pal, who is, um, you know, one of the leading, uh, South Asian art historians in the world today. Um, and I happened to know him and, uh, and we met and he said, you know, he came up with this idea over lunch one day. He said, hey, we should do a film. So I said, okay, let's, um, let's do it. And, um, and then he introduced, and then I met Debashish through him at his, at his place. And that's how the whole thing came about. Uh, although it, it took much longer than we thought it would <laughs> due to various, you know, there were it's just glitches on the way and just life happened. And, uh, but anyway, so the film's out and we're happy we, we, uh, we, we did what we, what we had to do. I, I wanted to ask, uh, uh, gentlemen, uh, either of you, uh, the word Darshan, uh, I have a pretty good idea of what's meant by that word, but maybe a lot of our listeners don't, or maybe it's used in different ways at different times. And, uh, so the, the title of the film, Darshan, the Living Art of India, uh, how do you define, how would you define uh, Darshan in that context? Uh, Debashish, would you like to uh, answer that? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, the word actually, uh, Dennis, you're right. It has several meanings in different contexts. Literally, it means to see but it's uh, used in a spiritual and philosophical context in India. 
And in a spiritual context, it means to see and be seen. So there's a reciprocity about it, which is applied to viewing uh, the divine, either in an image or in a person. So that, you know, one goes for darshan to a guru's place, for example. Uh, so uh, we are highlighting this idea of darshan because we are seeing that as a medium for spiritual experience uh, in India that undercuts all the ritual and all those things and becomes anyway a, a kind of a uh, kind of a foundation for spirituality in India, uh, which people often overlook. Um, that leads to uh, uh, another Sanskrit term that I wonder if it comes into play in the context of the uh, art you depict in the film and the, the film itself, uh, this intersection of uh, visual art, which you emphasize in, in the film, and a spiritual experience. So in, in India, art uh, isn't just decorative, although you know it, it serves that purpose in people's homes and all too. So, but the word I'm thinking of is rasa. Does the concept of rasa enter into it, and can you explain? Yeah, so I'll take a stab at it, and Vikram can also speak to it. Rasa is a aesthetic term for the kind of spiritual emotion that is evoked by specific kinds of depictions. So, you know, there are classifications of rasa in Indian uh, sort of aesthetic theory. And a really great figure of Kashmir, uh, Kashmir Shaivism, Abhinava Gupta, gave it a very profound aesthetic spiritual interpretation. So rasa would apply over here to darshan as well uh, in terms of the specific content of the you know, kind of depiction and what it evokes in us. Very good. Vic, you want to add anything to that? Um, yeah, sure. So rasa, again, is um, it's sort of, um, you can call it enjoyment. Um, and as opposed to other Sanskrit terms, you know, like moksha, it's very sensual and earthbound, and it speaks of enjoying the, uh, you know, the, the the process of creating and sharing art, wherein the artist and the and the person enjoying the art uh, sort of become one, mm. you know, through the, uh, the mm -hmm. where it brings them together, whether it's dance or film or poetry or theater. And uh, so that's basically what it's, you could call it the yoga of art, mm -hmm. of making and, and, and sharing art, in other mm -hmm. words. And it's a portal into that enjoyment, that divine enjoyment. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I have a question. Um, I, I have never made a film, and I can't I not imagine how complex it is, because putting on a podcast for me is extremely <laughs> complicated. And I have to think a film would be probably 10 to 20,000 times easily as complicated as putting on a podcast. So, uh, uh, Vikram, you are the, uh, uh, it, it's a film by you, and it is produced by uh, De 
Debashish. And I'm wondering how you uh, guys divided your labors. What a, what a little practicality in terms of how this is done. Does one person write it? Another person puts it together. Uh, uh, give us some insight into that. Sure. Um, I'd love to do that. So um, documentary form is, is um, very different from uh, feature, from, from fiction mm -hmm. filmmaking, because there you have a screenplay and actors, and you're largely in control of everything. Okay, you can rehearse and you can storyboard. And uh, so there are very few surprises as opposed to the documentary form where you actually do not have a screenplay and uh, you may have an outline and, uh, you know, you can, you know, you have a basic idea of where you're going, but uh, the actual writing of the film takes place in the editing room. And that's where the film is made because so you may end up with, you know, 80 hours of footage shot on the road. Like in my first film, uh, Max Kennedy and the American Dream, which was about the US-Mexico border and the politics of immigration. You know, we had literally 80 hours of footage, which we then, you know, and, and the final film was just 75 minutes long. So you can imagine the process of elimination that happens. And uh, so the editing itself is like a huge and an integral part of it. Um, and that's where the film is actually made. Now, uh, you know, th so that's an observational documentary where uh, you're allowing the characters, um, you know, and you're, you're following the trajectory uh, as it happens in real time, as opposed to... Uh, say, a, a history channel type of documentary where it's led by, well, it's all speaking, uh, talking heads and interviews and voiceovers leading the, uh, uh, the flow where, where there's a lot more control and uh, that sort of thing where you can write it out. In this case, it was a combination of both. So in the beginning, I thought it was going to be more observational. But then we realized that our sponsors had certain needs and because it was going to be shown at culture, you know, at, at universities and museums and so on. So that there was this element, this need to be more expository than I would have liked. Mm. So we added lots of interviews. And then later during editing, we recorded a voiceover track that wasn't the plan originally uh, to make it understandable, you know, to the to the uh, to the lay viewer, because we needed uh, them to understand uh, certain things from a more uh, didactic level as opposed to pure pure artistic expression which is a uh, lot more stream of consciousness the the film uh, focuses on the uh, largely on the artisans and craftspeople who create the works of art that end up largely in in uh, temples in India now anybody who's ever been to those temples knows that um, a lot goes on at uh, where these images are uh, presented. And one of them is there's a certain di didactic quality to some of the works where uh, stories are being told in, you know, or uh, scenes from, from 
the uh, Puranas of the epic tales of India. How much, how does the uh, teaching the didactic element of uh, visual arts enter into the spiritual component of uh, the, the pujas that are done, the rituals that are done in front of the uh, images? I hope that's a clear question. Sure, Devashish, so, would you? Yeah. yeah, if I may take that, uh, uh, yeah, Phil. Uh, actually, uh, it does and does not enter into the rituals. Mm-hmm. It does enter into the rituals because, of course, uh, whatever aspect of the deity is being, um, you know, celebrated in a temple, it has specific meditation, uh, you know kind of verses that are repeated. So they're invoking that particular form of the deity that occurs in a mythological context. Hmm. So that point of view, there is a relationship with the ritual, but there is a more extended sense in which the people who come there to that temple are only secondarily interested in the ritual. They're primarily dwelling on the stories and all that, which are completely outside that particular context. Mm. They belong to that context, but the people uh, relate to it in their own way uh, in terms of darshan, rasa, and the other important term is bhakti. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the bhakti, uh, which is loosely translated as devotion, um, is equally enjoyment. I mean, you know, Vikram was talking about the enjoyment aspect of rasa. So bhakti uh, in the Indian sense is also entertainment, you know, because um, even the term bhakti is derived from the same roots as bhukti uh, and bhoga, you know, which is to enjoy. Mm. And so they enjoy the relationship with, with the divine uh, through these stories and contemplating these stories, acting them out, and putting their heart and soul into the relationship, basically. Very good. I wanted to also ask, what do you hope to accomplish with the film? What you want audiences to go away with, what you want them to learn, to experience? Is there a goal that you have or goals in regard to that? Vikram, why don't you go go for that, and I'll I'll fill in a few words afterwards. Um, so uh, basically, you know, we wanted to uh, uh, draw. We wanted to emphasize the contrast between how art is uh, perceived in the West, modern and contemporary art. And um, and what Asian, how traditional Asian cultures uh, view art, and how it's very much a part of uh, ritual devotion and worship. You know, a lot of the classical art that's come out of Asia in the past two thousand odd years, um, and where the artist, the identity of the artist, is actually secondary. You know, and 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 many of these creations, these wondrous marvelous creations uh, spread across South Asia. I mean, nobody knows who, may, you know, the, 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 who, uh, the name of the artist or the, 
the, the people who were involved in the creation of these works. So that concept only came about much later, actually, um, where, you know, there was this thing about that the artist would sign their name on, on their work. Um, whereas in the West, you have, you know, a cult of personality uh, around uh, the artist. And these are uh, secular works and uh, meant to be enjoyed in, in gallery spaces or yeah. as investment, you know, basically as, as, as a financial. So you have the art collector, you know, and you have this very elite and rarefied world of mm -hmm. art. Whereas in Asia, it was very much an organic grassroots kind of thing, you know. But, I mean, these artists would be commissioned by the rulers and the kings and by merchants in, in many cases, um, definitely. So they had their patrons and benefactors, too. Uh, but the purpose was was uh, altogether quite different. Um, so I'm not I'm not in any way uh, suggesting that uh, contemporary or modern art is is uh, you know is in any way uh, inferior. I mean it's uh, as far as I can see, uh, these artists derive their inspiration from the same source, you know? And they may not call themselves, uh, I mean, the, the art is not overtly religious or spiritual or whatever you want to call it, but it's art nevertheless. And mm. it comes out of this um, reservoir of creativity that all artists, you know, have to tap into to create anything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but these are two radically different uh, ways of looking at art, I thought, and that was what, that was, I think that was in my mind when I set out to make the film. Mm. And that's one of the first things that even Pratap Pal says in the film. You know? mm -hmm. uh, so. Yeah, and I, I'd say that is one of the primary messages of the film. And the other message, uh, the, the, the really important message is, I think it's related to Phil's question about ritual and art and that the two are related but separate. They are not the same because these artistic communities, they have developed in history as independent communities. Many of them took uh, cross-religious commissions. The same people work for different religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and they develop their own kind of spirituality, which is the spirituality of Darshan and Rasa and things like that. And wanted to show that uh, to some extent, you know, to show, for example, the cross-religious nature of uh, some of the painting that we are showing and the artists uh, being Muslim, but uh, painting Hindu themes, for example. Uh, there is a different kind of, uh, you know, eclecticism about uh, uh, this approach to religion spirituality that we wanted to show and for people to go away with. Yeah, which is very typical of a lot of aspects of Indian life. Um, along those lines, it was fascinating to see the uh, artisans and craftspeople at work and uh, talking about their work. 
uh, when you when you're a tourist in India, you're often you can go to some of these uh, villages that specialize in certain crafts. Uh, but I'm thinking you probably had access to uh, places that are off the the the, the tourist trail. Um, are those people the ones you depict? Um, are they well respected? in in the society are they uh, paid decently do they have uh, any kind of special status so if i may take that question um, the artists of india belong to a certain i mean if you saw the film this comes up a few times this issue of caste yes and right they- Actually, uh, they belong to a marginal or even an outcast. They mm. kind of belong to uh, sort of an outsider caste, but they have a very uh, important position in bringing life to the gods. So, it's, it, in itself, this is a kind of a, a paradoxical relationship with the religion. Mm. Uh, uh, and uh, well, what you were talking about with regard to uh, their status in society. Today, uh, it, there's a variety of uh, you know ways in which these people are integrated into society. Some of them are still completely anonymous. They are known among their own community, and they're known among, uh, you know, the, the sort of art-making, uh, you know, context. Uh, of the temple, but uh, some of them, like for example, the artists of Calcutta who are making those uh, sculptures for Durga Puja and Kali Puja, they have become very prominent. They mm. are hugely sponsored, and some of them uh, have uh, statues that are being collected by major collectors abroad. So uh, this question is is a very interesting question that has a variety of answers that has to do with negotiating one's place mm. in the world, right. and I think it's a fluid it's a fluid thing today, uh, much more than it was uh, at a time when castes were really fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you made the film, uh, were you thinking in regard to the audience being mostly from the West? Uh, or is it a film that uh, when you made, uh, you were thinking uh, you wanted to be uh, equally uh, um, uh, absorbed by either uh, yeah, Westerners, you know, people from North America, Europe, and uh, people from, 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 from India? Did you have a target audience? <laughs> well, I think uh, both, but I think uh, we started off uh, with an American audience in mind because, you know, as Vikram was saying, the idea was uh, kind of piggybacked onto the museum exhibition uh, mm-hmm. at Santa Barbara Museum of Art. Right. And as he was pointing out, the primary uh, message had to do with different forms of art, uh, understanding what art is and responding to art. And so that was, uh, you know, one of our primary target audiences, the the Western audience. But it also uh, is uh, aimed at the Indian audience. So uh, we've had a few um, screenings in India, but, uh, you know, I think our primary audience was a Western one. Okay. Vikram, um, 
the film is rather short. I'm guessing you have a lot in the can, or stuff that was not in the cutting room floor. Will there be a sequel? Um, so, Phil, the, the film was actually much longer, um, and we had to remove like a, um, like a whole bit mm. because of some legal issues. Ah. And then there was, um, originally, I thought this was going to be more of a stream of consciousness kind of thing, uh, you know, where the film itself reflects um, the making, the artistic process, mm -hmm. rather than a didactic uh, 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 film led by interviews and voiceovers. But it just, I mean, uh, it demanded that we treat it in that manner because mm -hmm. it had to be explained mm -hmm. to, to a certain audience, to an academic audience and for, for professors who are going to use it in their courses. So it's just, uh, it's just the way, uh, you know, it turned out. And, um, um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, as far as uh, the sequel, uh, not a sequel to this film, uh, but we are working on, I mean, I'm developing like a series of, of shorts, about 30 to 45 minute long films on South Asian art and artists. Mm. So that's something that I am, that's on, you know, in the works. Very good. And, uh, so hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later. <laughs> in this, I have one final question, and then I'll I'll turn it over to Phil. Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, what, what did you have a particular challenge? Was there anything about this film that was most challenging in making? Um, yeah, actually, there were lots of things. Um, getting all the money together, so that was a big one, big part of it. And uh, the money came, it didn't come in a lump sum, so it came in installments. So it took much longer than we expected. And then, uh, because we raised it from individual donors. Uh -huh. and, um, and then the post-production took a long time, just because I had to be in India at the time, because my, my father was ill, and then I decided to edit the film in India, because I did not want to shuttle back and forth in the United States. And, and so I did this in Bombay, where I hired some people who turned out to be, you know, just not very ethical. Um, and so I had uh, issues, and then I had to go literally to file a case. You know, I went to the police, you know, to get my materials back from some of these people. <laughs> this was a, like, like a nightmare, literally. And I even wrote a long article about this, this ordeal that I went through. Um, so, but then, you know, I got it done. I got it done, uh, one way or another. And, um, so yeah, that's why the thing took much longer than we expected. Actually. Yeah. Um, I have a couple more questions, Dennis. I know you have time issues. So if you need to leave, I can just conclude. Yeah, I take it from here. And, uh, again, always a, a pleasure. Uh, and, uh, we will get the word out about the film. Phil, take it. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay. Um, I have a couple of questions. One, the first one's for you in particular, Debashish. Uh, you're a scholar and uh, you are uh, an expert on the life and work of Sri Aurobindo. Uh, when you were on the show before, we spoke about him. Um, 
What did he say about uh, the use of art and spirituality and uh, the depiction of deities, you know, in visual form, the murtis in particular? Uh, you see, he does say a little bit about this because you find that at the time when he was writing, uh, it was a nationalist period. And of course, he spans the post-nationalist period as well, but uh, right up to about freedom. He died in 1950. And you find that people like Kumaraswamy uh, are actually trying to explain Indian art. What is the symbolism and the iconography and how does it work? So in fact, the beginnings of what we are trying to do with this film can be traced back to that time. Because mm -hmm. before that, you know, uh, before the century, uh, the general perception of Indian art uh, in the West was that these are monsters. There's a, there's a nice book called Much Maligned Monsters hmm. by a scholar called Partha Mitter uh, that talks exactly about the history of reception of Indian art up to the 20th century. And then it's people like uh, Sri Aurobindo. Uh, he wrote a thing called uh, The Renaissance in India. And it later came out as the foundations of Indian culture, hmm. in which there are these chapters talking about uh, what is the symbolism and what is the use of Indian art, which makes it different from uh, the way in which art is uh, considered in the West. So I think, uh, you know, I mean, the beginnings of this kind of, uh, you know, explanation or interpretation of social cultural context of Indian art goes back to people like Sri Aurobindo. Very good. Um, another question, and this will probably have to be the, be the last one. Um, it is said in the uh, temple art, the sculptures especially, um, that uh, at least in the, the uh, holiest of the temples, the murtis, the images of the deities, are not just uh, depictions, but that the, the the statue itself contains, in a sense, some the essence, the essential quality or nature of the of the deity, and and there's a form of consecration. Um, did you uh, experience that? Did you could you address that in the film at all, or can you explain it to our listeners? Yeah, if I may take that, uh, that is what darshan uh, largely is. And uh, what you're talking about, Phil, uh, to some extent, it is called bringing life into the image. Prana mm. pratishtha is the term for it. Right. And there are rituals connected with that. In fact, all ritual, uh, you know, to puja rituals are to some extent that. When you have a Durga Puja or a Kali Puja, the priest is conducting these uh, rituals to bring life into the image. But it's really interesting that, you know, Vikram was talking about these pieces we had to take out. And one of them had to do with a community of artists uh, that, uh, you know, they, they, they teach. It was a whole teaching community of uh, this kind of art. And the head teacher, we asked him this very question that you asked. Mm. And 
said, uh, the priests know nothing. They know next to nothing about bringing life into the image. Hmm. We are the ones who bring life into the image. Hmm. Gradually, I got the sense that there are contested ideas about who brings life into the image. Ah. You see, because, uh, you know, we get a stereotype version that it's through ritual that this is done. But uh, the artist, uh, you know, believes that they have uh, even more important role to play in bringing. He was talking about how they see the art inside the wood or inside the stone and bring it out. And in doing that, they're being guided by the deity to emerge out of its imprisonment in stone or mud and become a, a living thing. So, uh, they do, of course, this idea that you talked about is very prevalent and that that's one of the foundational ideas of darshan. Right. What you're looking at is not just a stone image or a clay image, but the living body of God. And if you look at it like that, God looks back at you with through those eyes. So, uh, you know, darshan itself is a way of bringing to life very good. Uh, that which seems to be dead. Very good. Vikram, why don't you take the last question, uh, which is, how can people see the film? Um, thank you, Phil. It's, um, the film is available at um, the, the website for um, the CPISC, which is um, the nonprofit that um, actually produced the, the film. It's the Center for Promotion of Indian Sacred Culture. Uh, and Debashish is the founder of that. And uh, so it's available uh, uh, on, on a pay-per-view uh, basis right now. It can be purchased by, by universities and, and lots of universities are in the process of, of buying it for their departments and their students. And um, and then eventually we hope to have it up on a distribution site where you can just uh, pay for play, you know, pay, pay per view mm. for, for individual uh, viewing. Uh, Debashish, can you do pay per view on CPISC at this point? Or uh, we technically we can, Vikram, but we have disabled it because we are trying to negotiate uh, something with other uh, pay per view people. Yes. Uh, but depending on how that goes, we can technically enable it. Okay, and, and people will be listening to this interview uh, far into the future, we hope, and by then things online will uh, have changed a bit. So they should go there, go to the website, or Google Darshan and uh, find the film. I, I've seen it. It's a very worthwhile project. It's beautifully made. So congratulations on it. And thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to speak to you both. I'm glad it worked out. We rarely have two guests on at the time. Uh, and all the proper information will be on the website. So and we'll look forward to uh, more films in the future. Maybe you'll touch on music as well. So thank you. And uh, listeners, um, look on the website for our contribute button. Dennis and I have been doing this for a few years. We want to keep the uh, archives and the new interviews free, uh, but we could use some support to keep it going. So uh, please consider making a contribution.
Thank you both. Take care. Thank you.